It's Alum Group's Andrea Lay, Packview's Melissa Burdick, special guest Jackie Donowski from Flywheel, and I'm PVSB, also from Flywheel. Before we get to the CPG Guys episode you've downloaded, it's the week of May 13th, and it's time for the Fresh Four. Four curated news stories from the past week. We find them polyhistorically intriguing. We hope you do too. They're brought to you through our partnership with Retail Wit, your one-stop shop for retail industry intelligence and news. Retailwit.com. It's retail right now. Jackie, kick us off, would you? Disney Advertising and Walmart Connect to bring closed-loop attribution to streaming advertisers. Well, hello there, Fresh Boy listeners. Disney Advertising and Walmart Connect have solidified an agreement to bring the retailer's industry-leading audience solutions and measurement to Disney's addressable streaming inventory. The collaboration will enable enhanced audience targeting and outcome-based measurements for brand campaigns across Disney's streaming portfolio, including Hulu and Disney+. Connecting Walmart's customer insights with Disney's proprietary audience graph will help advertisers reach their desired audiences and measure the impact of their campaigns through closed-loop attribution. Thanks, Jackie. Andrea, over to you. Hello, Fresh 4 listeners. NBC Universal and Instacart link up to bring retail media opportunities to TV. NBC Universal and Instacart are expanding their existing partnership to include a new retail media workstream that will enable Instacart's CPG advertisers to connect with consumers via NBC Universal's streaming and linear television content. In late 2023, the companies teamed up to include access to NBC Universal's streaming platform Peacock as part of the Instacart Plus membership package. Now, with this new first-party data collaboration, advertisers will be able to reach consumers through NBC Universal's content and measure the impact of their campaigns by leveraging ad exposure and purchase data from Instacart. Thank you, Andrea. Melissa, what do you have for us? Amazon has announced a new country that they're opening up. Amazon has announced that it will launch a new dedicated website for Ireland in 2025. Currently, most Irish customers use Amazon sites based in the UK or other European countries. The company said the Irish site will mean that users will be able to avoid additional customs charges and currency conversion fees, and it will also lead to faster delivery and returns for many items. All right, over to you, Peter. Hey, Mr. Peter Bond, do you remember that executive summit you attended last year at Cornell Tech? Oh, you mean the Omnichannel Leadership Program? Many of our listeners have been asking me about it, Peter. I got to tell you, Shree, hands down the best exec ed program I've participated in, and they're offering it again in 2024. If you loved it, why don't you share with the audience what it's all about? Cornell is bringing together CPG and retail industry executives and visionaries along with the very best academics to deliver an outstanding curriculum designed to help participants build a high-performing customer journey and level up their organizations in all things omni-channel. And so, Peter, you, of course, refer to omni-channel. So is this online only or is it hybrid you can do in person too? Or what is it? Now, it's an in-person event. It's happening at Cornell Tech's campus in the business mecca of the world, New York City, this coming June. It's a very intimate setting. Participants get to interact with industry luminaries, the professors, and their contemporaries over a three-day event. The course was designed by Cornell in partnership with a host of blue-chip retailers and consumer goods manufacturers, including Ahold Delhaize, Kalanova, Walmart, Monster Energy, and Dick's Sporting Goods, just to name a few. What a great opportunity, Peter, for some of our listeners to be able to participate in an exec ed program of this nature. What do you think? Yeah, and they may even see a CPG guy or two at the front of the room. Uh, my big tip is to apply early for the program. They purposefully keep the attendee list small and ensure great networking by requiring a short application. It's only a few questions, but it makes sure that the right people are in the room to have really valuable discussions on these topics. Fantastic, Peter. So how can people learn more about this uh, Cornell's Omnichannel Leadership Program? Well, there's a link to the program page in the digital liner notes of this very podcast episode. And you can also find it on top of the navigation bar at cpgguys.com. Welcome to another episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Our hosts, Sri Raj Kapolin, 
Peter V.S. Bond, and Brian Gildenberg. Explore how brands and retailers engage consumers in an increasingly digitally driven world. And now, here are the CPG guys. Hello and welcome to another episode of the CPG Guys podcast. I'm your co-host, PVSB, and when I'm not podcasting, I'm the Partnership Acceleration Lead at Flywheel, a division of Omnicom. I am joined for today's episode by my co-founder. He is the Lord of La La Land. He's just back from Las Vegas, where the two of us connected for an oh-so-brief but meaningful period of time. Of course, I'm talking about the man known as Shri. Shri, how you doing? I'm doing awesome, Peter. How are you? It's great to uh, be at CES. Got a lot achieved from a business perspective. Always fun to see you. We have mutual friends in all the arm and leadership across the board. It was fun to walk the floor this year. And there's one big change I noticed on the floor that I'm going to talk about when we get that far. But hey, pleasure to do this with you week over week, man. And I'm glad we actually decided to make an episode on a Saturday late evening when most people are. I know somewhere. as, as we're recording it, the, uh, there, I think the, the Kansas city, Miami game is going on. Shri just dropped his daughter off. Uh, and we said, hell, since I'm going to New York tomorrow to NRF day one, why don't we just get this CES recap? out of the way and it would be fun so we're like what the heck that's what we're doing on a saturday night because that's what cpg guys do you think we live this glamorous life Nah, we <laughs> we live for this industry it's what we like to do right straight no giants don't really care I'll watch the super bowl yeah well there's Let that we don't it. have uh before we uh, get to the ces recap i to remind you uh there are three ways you can connect with us one you can find all our content at cpgguys.com you can filter episodes based upon whatever topic you like, omni-channel, retail media, insights, whatever. It's all there. Check that out. Number two, you can follow us on LinkedIn. We certainly want you to do that. There are over 27,000 of you that have chosen to follow us on that B2B platform. And of course, uh, you can subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. If you use Apple or Spotify, please Please, please leave us a rating. It helps feed the algorithm, makes our podcast more findable by industry professionals like yourselves. Uh, and while you're there, leave a review as well. We want to hear what you think about the podcast, what you like, what you don't like, what you want more of, what you want less of. So uh, please do that. Of course, we're part of a, an impressive podcast collective that consists of, of course, us. Fast Forward, hosted by Brian Gildenberg. And the FMCG guys across the pond with Christine, Efren, and Daniel, and of course, CBG Scoop with Risa and Jennifer. Make sure to check those out. You can find hyperlinks to all of those podcasts, plus uh, our landing page on Next Up. Uh, Next Up is the organization formerly known as Network of Executive Women, whose mission it is to advance. Uh, all women in business and promote gender equality. We're very much allies in this in this uh, pursuit, and so we encourage you to check it out. So look at look at the digital liner notes to this episode. And while you're there, you'll also find links to the social media personas of Sheree's two daughters. They're recording artists, Rhea and Lara, and make sure to check those out. You can follow their pursuits because Sheree lives for that. And you know what? vicariously we all do too they're they're really impressive young ladies and and peter uh, give Ria, yeah ria made something for me today a cooling refresher right. drink it's what is it? a cucumber juice oh yeah it's but good it has stuff. basil lime lime juice the bar very lime nice and uh it's very refreshing cucumber juice green garlic. like it okay all right so let's get to our episode. So Shri and I just made reference to it. We were out in Las Vegas. The first event of the year is always, always, always CES. Uh, and it's a pretty big, sprawling event. All the yeah, – here's what I know, Shri. I, I did a post about this on, on LinkedIn. You may have seen it. Uh, if you want to go to an event like CES to or from and you want to get in first class, playing the whole upgrade game, hoping that you're – tier status is going to help you is a is a fruitless effort it, it here's why because 
this event has the highest concentration of road warriors, people who are all diamond or platinum or whatever the highest level status is. And you'll be lucky if that even gets you a seat in coach that has extra legroom, probably a middle seat if you do. So if you want to get the upgrade, either buy the first class ticket or use miles and you can do it quite, quite in advance. But don't sit around playing the game because it's crazy Las Vegas is during CES. I don't know what it was like for you, but uh, I, it's it was a madhouse coming in and uh, a little better going out because I left a day early. You know, Peter, having done it so many years, like I can't even remember how long, but it's a decade plus. It's like clockwork for me. Long nights, mm-hmm. early mornings. The best advice I can give everybody is do not get alcohol in your system or get low alcohol in your system. Agree. Hydrate like crazy. Carry bottle water everywhere you go. And um, what you got to do? Even uh, watch what you eat. And if you do that, you're also there's high mobility required because you're going through the convention floor. You're walking from one hotel to another hotel. A lot of mobility. So overall, it's three or four days of like intense work, and your day job doesn't go away. Yeah, I tell you, I, I broke a sweat going up and down the elevator in the Aria Sky Suites from from one suite to the next. Three. It was it was a it was a rim. I think I got in five steps. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it, I agree with you. It's a little crazy, especially if you go over to the convention center. Like you and I are kind of creatures of the Aria, where the C space, the marketing uh, conversations are going on. But if you, if you make your way over to the main convention center, where a lot of the Things like we'll talk about this, the Walmart Global Tech display was at. Um, that's a real madhouse. That's a little crazy. So, so Shri, let's talk through um, some of the things we liked uh, that were particularly interesting. Uh, listen, if you're listening to this podcast and you're hoping for our take on like medical devices, you're not going to get a lot of depth there. That's not our area of expertise. We're going to probably be focused a little bit more on the retail and CPG side, not to say that there aren't some really interesting new devices and stuff, but just spoiler alert, we're talking CPG and retail here. We are the CPG guys, but um, Sri, what, what were some of your, uh, some of your initial thoughts? I'm going to start up top Peter with probably the most important piece for this whole conversation. And then ask you to chime in. You mentioned breaking a sweat at the sky suites area. Well, that was a unique location because I am convinced walking out of CES this year that like FMI is to brick and mortar, although if FMI is formed uh, FMI tech now and there's conversations on tech taking place, there's no doubt in my mind CES is the top to top for retail media networks in our industry. So I personally must have met with every large retail media network provider of scale and these weren't just a meeting. These were actual discussions on strategy, discussions on the future, innovation that each RMN is bringing forward, as well as what to expect from an inventory standpoint and discussions on investments. So my big takeaway being in the CPG industry, Peter, next year, this will be the forum for the RMN doctor tops. No debate in my head. And of course, Peter, you and I have to be there for that moment. What do you think? I couldn't agree with you more, Shri. If I think back a couple of years, eh, maybe Shop Talk had a lot of the retail media networks. Uh, well, there are more now than there were a couple of years ago, but there's no question. They were all there. They were there in force. All the big guns were there. You know, Kara Pratt from 8451 Kroger Precision Marketing, Christy Argelin, Seth Delaire, Rich Lairfeld. I mean, Sarah Travis, Ryan Mayward, they were all Ram. there. Megan Ram and Dr. Mark Rether, they were all there. So it it was a tour de force. And Let's if you wanted to Chris talk Rogers retail media, that's where you went. Yep, Chris Rogers. Yep, they were all there. So I, I would agree with you. So adept, let's just say CES is the place where you start the year and you hit retail media in a big way. It's it's reaching its own, and there are components of it. We'll talk in a little bit about some of the partnerships, but you know, especially with the growth of streaming TV, and now it eclipsing eclipsing linear television in terms of its viewership. 
So one thing, Peter, though, I want to hit up top is let's say you're a brand who is not going to CES and you're in the digital media space. Is that a miss? Uh, well, it's an, it's, let's just say this, if you're doing it because you don't want to spend the money on going to CES, I can't imagine a more efficient spend of one ticket to hit every RMN in three days. I mean, you want it, you want to fly to Minneapolis and then go to, uh, and then go to Cincinnati and then go to, go to New York or Bentonville, Uh, knock yourself out. But it seems like it's a pretty pretty simple decision that you want to be there right you don't want to go to then go to seattle and what have you it's it's the place to be yeah like where what other forum exists to be able to do this nothing there's there's nothing and it's it's gravitating around this so let's let's kick this off let's go with the big one shri let's just let's just tick off the really big one so uh doug mcmillan the ceo of walmart showed up and in tow with the Walmart global tech team. And they painted the picture both verbally and physically about what AI is going to do to uh, adaptive retail focused on customers, workforce, and society. You know, the, a couple big things that really call it. They, they built this house that people could go on a tour of that had demonstrations of how all of their technology and capabilities would come to life. You know, Gen AI in search and ask Instacart's got that. They talked a lot about that, like the ability to sit there and say, and I, I use this example all the time. You're throwing a 4th of July party, right? You don't want to go and sit there and have to search for every item saying to, to the Walmart mobile app, I've got a 4th of July party and it comes back to me with all the items that I need. And I can just say, yes, yes, yes. Instead of having to conduct 12 searches or a hundred searches, it's all then. And then this new functionality that's more of a social kind of component shop with friends. I mean, Walmart, Walmart came uh, to own CES from a retail perspective. And I, I think it's pretty clear they did. What do you think? Peter, I was on another podcast called what the tech with my old friends from Revlon, you know, OSHA, she was on our podcast. And Are on. you sure that wasn't your son, Shri? Because I looked at the picture that they posted on LinkedIn, and that 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 looked like a pretty young guy in it. That I've... was the pre-COVID, no beard Shri that um, ah. existed. So um, on that podcast, I had um, kind of mentioned the importance of how innovation, how innovation will be seen by consumers primarily through digital mechanisms could be TikTok, could be instagram reels it's variety and plethora of factors on the website of a given retailer and you said a very important word over here social shopping social shopping is one of the many ways of the future how innovation will be discovered the ability prediction to ask someone else did you try it have you seen it What do you think? Have you tried something like this? Do you know of something like this? It's coming, folks. So let's not be the industry that thinks innovation can only be launched one way. Now, I'll put a little asterisk and say, that is how a consumer will interact with innovation. They will still do the repeats in store once they like it. Yeah. So the the facings are very much required. The display is very much required. But... Another big thing pops out of that, Peter, is social shopping is arriving steadily and slowly. Let's talk packaging for a second. Mm-hmm. Is the traditional packaging that sits on the shelves in store that important with that level of oomph and la 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 versus getting it nailed to perfection online? Yeah, I think... I think the product you get online, it's less important because it's about the copy on the page. But I think until we reduce the friction at retail, where all the copy that you get on a package flat can easily be accessed through your mobile device by just waving it over the barcode or whatever else, right? Hello, QR codes. Whatever it is, it's still going to be necessary at retail. There's still friction, but I agree with you. You don't need it. I mean, I can't tell you how many packages I now get via Amazon that don't have the traditional glossy package. It's some cardboard. 
right? And the instruction manual is there, but it's a waste of, it's a waste of uh, material and Amazon's really encouraging their brands not to do that. You know, the shop with friends, I should mention, you know, you know the, the CBG guys do social shopping. Here's how it works. PVSB finds, and I'm talking about myself in the third person. I go and find a, uh, a, a really cool piece of uh, l- uh, looking piece of swag and I take a picture of it and I send it to Shri and he writes back two words, get it. <laughs> and that's how, and that's why we have the best swag in Innovation, the Innovation, buddy. Innovation. You find something, you're excited, you want to share it with your friends, your family. Yeah. Hey, hey, let's, let's keep with the Walmart conversation because there was another panel on day two that I was really fascinated by. It was hosted by our dear friend, Seth Dallaire. Chief Revenue Officer at Walmart. It had Rich Lairfield, the General Manager of Walmart Connect. It had Mark Hardy, Head of Walmart Data Ventures, and two guests, Chris McDermott, uh, who is from Kimberly Clark, and uh, Jeffrey, and I'm trying to remember Jeffrey's last name, from Bimbo Bakeries. And they were talking about how data is increasingly, data and insights are increasingly powering the advertising mechanisms, the particular one we know is retail media. Um, Walmart Luminate is uh, is Walmart's insight uh, asset. And Mark was very articulate in describing there are three parts to it. The first part is the behavioral data, right? Transaction data longitudinally associated with households or is what Mark called tender traceable. The transaction can be connected to a consumer, through attribution, right? They used a credit card. They used, a, you know, for retailers like Kroger, they use a frequent shopper code. They use scan and go at Walmart. They use Walmart rewards. All of those are mechanisms. Uh, the second one is the uh, is the store and channel level attribution. So the products, uh, what, what store they sold in and what mechanism or channel they came through. Was it an in-store shop? Was it a curbside pickup? Was it a home delivery? Was it a drone delivery? They maintain a rich, rich, rich data asset around that. And the third one is kind of the why behind the buy. It's the attitudinal. Much like other retailers, Amazon in particular, they have a double opt-in panel where uh, as a brand, you can ask quantitative questions to these panelists and understand a little bit more contextually what the behavioral data and the store data is telling you. So you can, you can build a story. And that is ultimately what brands are using to power retail media. So two examples. Blew me away. Blew me away, Shree. First one, Kimberly Clark. Chris said that 80% of the campaign activations that they are doing on Walmart Connect are driven by Luminate Insights, 80%. And then add to that, Jeffrey said that they've been so successful in leveraging the insights. They've, they're a DSD vendor, right? Direct store delivery. Bimbo makes bread, brings it right to the store. Still, they have inventory problems, right? Prior to using Luminate, they were experiencing on average an 88% fill rate. They're at 93 right now because of Luminate and running towards 98. That is their goal. Those are two really compelling reasons for using these insights. What do you think, Shrey? Peter, you've given a lot of detail on how the panel went, so I'm not going to refer back to the panel, but I'm going to talk a little bit about why this is a game-changing moment. Uh, Walmart, of course, released Luminate a couple of years ago. We, how did we find out about that, Shrey? Do you remember how we found out about Luminate? A patent. We, we, Shri and I were just searching on Google, and 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 they submitted a patent uh, application for the for the term Luminate or a trademark, and it they described exactly what it was, and we called each other and we're like, I think we know where this is going. Those, uh, and yeah, you guys they, are just anxious guys. But back to what I was saying, Peter. When Luminate was launched, it talked about the promise of working with the ability for brands and for Walmart as well to be able to get mm-hmm. to store level data to truly understand the who, where, when, what, why, like all dimensions like we did yep. just described. One yep. of the 
powerful applications of retail media versus other forms of media is retail media provides one of the few mechanisms where you can do full funnel marketing. Yep. Acquisition up top, impressions up top, click through all the way to putting it in the basket and then finding out who actually checked out because a basket abandonment is actually very well-known white behavior that happens all over the place. So when retail media has full funnel data, it's important that the retailer actually share all aspects of that full funnel and put brands in a position to be able to do mm-hmm. the analytics without significant multi-touch attribution to be able to justify their media plans. So retail media, by sharing this, Walmart has been gracious enough to share this data. And uh, all kinds of, as you described, the three different ways in which this data can be used. My challenge to brand speeder is if Walmart is sharing the data, shouldn't you be using it? Shouldn't you be trying to understand your shopper at Walmart? And when Walmart has the coverage that it does in the United States, a lot of your decision-making could be anchored. I'm not saying make it only with that data, but a lot of your decision-making could be influenced by that data set. So here's my question to you, Shree. Um, MMM, right? I've heard that a lot of brands are asking for, uh, how do I feed my retail media performance marketing measurement into an MMM model? And my question back to you is this. Why would you take such a superior performance marketing measurement in a closed loop environment like retail media and try and plug it into what is, for lack of a better term, alchemy, as far as I'm concerned. Isn't that the wrong way to look at it? Shouldn't they be, shouldn't they be elevating rather than, than trying to go backwards? Uh, no, Peter, I actually believe the, re- the data sets that come out of retail media as full funnel will indeed, when fed into the MMM, elevate the MMM. So let's just, Let's okay. make some play numbers here, monopoly play money numbers. Let's say your mm-hmm. media budget is $100 million and yep. retail media is $20 million out of that. Today, yep. today, your MMM largely is attributional, and that's how you run it. When you bring retail media data into it, and the example that I gave, 20% of your data will actually be via full funnel mechanisms and rely less on attribution. So you're actually elevating the game of that M&M. And uh, not only that, Peter, when you feed that retail media data into M&M, you can put, when you pull it into the model and when you start working with the M&M that way, you can suddenly get a better attribution across the board for campaigns that you're running even um, nationwide that really aren't connected to, in this example, walmart.com, but actually results in consumers buying Walmart, buying your product on Walmart. So yes, you should mm-hmm. absolutely 100% no debate in my head. You should be feeding all your retail media data into your MMM and building a stronger MMM period. There's no debate in my there head. There you have it. There you have it. Right. Have you heard such a strong conviction before? I I I I have. You you tend when you when you do your research and you've made a decision, you advocate for it. You're not just a uh, a, a wall. You're not a fly on the wall. You're not. Uh, you 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 call it out and say, and you challenge people. Listen, if someone comes to you and says, you know, Shree, I listened to what you said. Did you consider this? And if you find a flaw, you know what? The great thing about you is you're like, I didn't. That's new news, new information. Let me reevaluate. But when you think you've got the answer, you're going to talk about it and challenge the industry to follow it up. So I agree with that, sure. Shree. What what else? What but Peter, there's an issue here. There's an issue here. So 10 minutes ago, we said this is the top to top, like an FMI, like for the digital part of the world, the retail media networks. Where are the service providers? We just gave an example now of better MMM, quality of MMM, better modeling. Where are the service providers? Well, you were they at the show? There were, some, there were some at the show. Some. I would... There were some. There were. They were by by no means. But you know what, Shree? If you build it, they will come. I think next year you'll see more of them, and they'll gravitate. The part that annoys me, Peter, I'm going to use the word annoy, is when people tell me they ask me why do you go to CES. I try to explain. Um, 
Those that may not be engaging with retail media networks and exclusively working on brick and mortar, don't ask me why. People only work with brick and mortar exclusively this way. But there are souls today that still continue to work that way. And they thought, think of CES as purely a consumer tech show. In our industry, it's evolved to way beyond that, way, way, way beyond that. So I want to jump to the tech part next. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. So very big personal learning moment for me. So having gone to CES year after year after year, decade plus, my observation in the last three years post-COVID era, 2021, 22, kind of 23, so three years in a row is, it felt like going to CES was seeing a bunch of advanced, hi-fi, next-gen tech looking for problems to solve. And I'd walk out of that thing, yeah. this is amazing. But when will I see it in a handheld? When will I see it in a consumer device? When will I see it being adopted? And you know what the big difference? I realized what? this year is going through floor tour after floor tour. Gadgets have actually been born that can sit in your pocket, can make your life significantly easier and save you time and money. And um, the proliferation into a smart home the examples that were sitting of devices were all real. Mm -hmm. Now, I'll caveat that, Peter, by saying they're still expensive because the tech is still very much in development. So maybe they're only meant for a few. But you give it three years, just like everything else, it'll be for the masses. And it was a pleasant okay. surprise for me to not look at technology and say, Oh boy, what's the point? Because there's nothing to use it with. It's like you and I did that last year. We went over. We went over to the convention center, and it was like, okay, the flat screen's a little thinner, and it's a little bigger. But other than medical devices, we didn't see anything last year. This year, I, th I think there were some lingering supply chain issues around COVID. I, I think they're gone. And you're right. Saw some really interesting things. All right, let me go to another. Speaking of technology and capabilities, let's talk about our friends Instacart. So two big things out of Instacart, Shri. Number one, the caper cart. That is their smart cart that is in physical stores. You and I have used those. Uh, they are actually now able to deliver targeted ads in store through the caper cart. You log in, you identify yourself. Now it knows your longitudinal shopping history. And it can also geolocate where you are in the store and it can drive to you relevant ads based upon your purchasing behavior. Big, 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 big break for in-store. Now, put aside the fact that there aren't a lot of caper carts deployed and it's a big capital investment. It does show you that if it, if it proves out to work, then the question becomes, how do they just put that into the mobile app and not necessarily force you to go get one of these big carts? Yeah, I personally like the caper card because I like being mm -hmm. in store. Uh, but mm -hmm. I do think the capital is a barrier for the store. Uh, sure. If you think about it, Peter, when did you first see a shopping cart in store? Like it was invented, I can't remember, two, three decades ago, much beyond before sure. that. Yeah. Somebody invented it many decades ago. And the capital I actually, I actually know a guy... Uh, I, I met him I'm trying to remember where I where I saw him. His family makes all of the shopping carts for Costco. They're out of California. He, he was talking about it at the end of the pandemic. I, th I think you may have known that, too, but I, I was amazed by that. He, so, Peter, he, yeah, the thing, a long the time thing, ago. The technology is fantastic for those that actually mm -hmm. shop in store and will actually work with the tech and will do yep. seamless checkout experiences and will get influenced by ads. But remember, an ad means you have to go to an aisle to find the product unless the caper card becomes smart enough to show you in-aisle advertising. Well, that's it. That, that's the idea is that it is, it is not only the, ad, the caper card, but it knows where in the store it is. So the if you're down the aisle. But yeah, anything, exactly. that the, for a second, Peter, go back to the privacy issues we all have been dealing with for a bit, mm -hmm, which yep. is will, will the consumer, will the shopper, readily give up their geo habits in store. Now, most stores right. already have cameras and they already know where you are and what you're doing, but they do it more for shrinkage and safety. So um, without consent, that might be a little harder to do. For me, yeah. the biggest, for me, the biggest thing with the caper card is that if the capability can get to your app, as you mentioned, it could be a yep. game. It could be a game changer because then you don't need, then you actually don't need the 
a physical uh, capital investment. But then the challenge comes up, does that technology sit in every retailer app or several retail apps who might be interested in that? Who developed it first? Like a lot of barriers pop up in the first place. And then does the cart even become meaningful at the end of the day? And then do you just use your app for a scan and go? So I think a caper card is an amazing invention, yep. but I'll be more excited when I see retail adopting it in store. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I, I do want to just quickly reference the other big announcement from Instacart was partnering with Google to use Instacart purchasing behavior to target Google ads. Not not revolutionary, but in terms of scale, very important. Oh, hold on. But hold to your on, point, Peter, the- so on the grocery space... In the grocery yeah. space, lower funnel activation, yeah. not yeah, the, not easily available to Google today. Not that it's not available, but not easily available because mm-hmm. Google shopping and grocery shopping are pretty far from each other because grocery shopping is done via apps and in-store, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. retail apps and in-store. Mm-hmm. Instagram, oh, I, I agree with you. Uh, like I retailers. said. So it's opening a yeah. door. No, I, I said global. from a vo- scale and volume, really big. Yeah. I'm just saying from a okay, I can use I can use purchasing behavior to target offsite advertising. Okay. Absolutely. Got it. But here was a really interesting one. So you remember our friend Bob Perry at NBC Universal? Yep. He introduced me to a fellow at a company called Venve, V-E-N-V-E-E. Really interesting. Here's what they do. They actually leverage the camera networks that stores have already built. Okay, you don't have to install new cameras. They leverage the cameras to identify individuals as they're coming in the store, trace them as they're going through the store. And when they check out, knowing that they're in checkout lane four at this exact moment, it allows the retailer to then attribute the the trip the location and the pattern to the actual transaction without having to install new hardware. Shri, that's big. That's really big. No, Again, no debate. Very much like the Keeper card, geo-tracking, it is a big deal. I just, while personally, I believe that privacy at this stage, your data, most of your data is available publicly anyway. I don't fear it. Mm-hmm. I always think about the average consumer and the fear that will be generated by you sure. tracking me both via camera as well as geo-tracking my exact location, how long I was in front of an aisle, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's already happening mm-hmm. today. And it is. It's not the end of the world. But that. that's my personal opinion. To someone else, it might mean something else. And I do think a privacy barrier does exist. To get over but as a technology breakthrough hands up you know well done folks yeah. well done for all using right. it all right sure you want to talk about him uh you want to talk about uh albertson's uh uh, uh media collective before we go there, two big Peter, announcements I want to talk about another okay. tech innovation that i think oh sure something from the outside that i think actually may benefit labor at retail and that is the uh mm. I'm going to spell it incorrectly here, so I'm going to give you the spelling G-Y-R-O glove. Would that be Gyro glove or Gyro glove? Gyro. And Gyro glove is a new invention, but when somebody wears it, it makes the hand stable. So imagine the ability now for retailers to bring in labor who might have had that challenge that cannot lift packages, cannot work in front of a shelf or other areas inside a store. I've I've been that innovation impressed me a lot, and that's the first thing I thought of just to be able to operate okay. machines, things of that nature for brands. And it's a, it's a, it's a Boston-based device by a medical tech startup. I know you said we're not going to talk medical devices over here, but That's I actually okay. see, I saw an example of, of a person who had Parkinson's disease that they claimed, claimed there, and they were showing an example, was able to wear the glove and actually write their name on a piece of paper. Prior to wearing the glove, the hand was shaking and they weren't able to. I think it's a wow, breakthrough. It's a breakthrough with many outcomes. Of course, as I mentioned right up top, these things cost a lot when they're first introduced. Not ready for mass yep. adoption, but watch out for this one. Yeah. All right. I made reference to uh, Albertson's Media Collective. Two big announcements coming out of them. First of all, it was I, I would make mention I went to a dinner 
on my last night there uh, making the announcement, but I ran into Melanie Zimmerman. Remember Melanie? She used to run Macy's Media Network. She's now head of global retail uh, for Critio. And she she made her first public appearance at CES, but there were two big announcements. First one, that AMC has partnered with Critio uh, using a couple of their platforms to power their advertising capabilities. Big, big, big announcement. Harvey Ma from AMC and Brian Gleason spoke at dinner about the partnership. It was it was a love fest all around. So I think we all know what Critio does. Uh, they they enable retail media platforms and connect to uh, other third party. Uh, e-commerce agencies like Flywheel for your ability to actually execute media campaigns. The other was also interesting. Uh, they announced a partnership with Capgemini to use AI tools in developing out there. Yeah, for the mean, two big what that means there's a there's a deeper depth there. While we say AI tools, to me, I'd love to know the role that Capgemini is playing because I interpreted that as much more than just building tools. Almost like a third-party mm-hmm. managed services provider. Yep. I don't. I don't know the. I fact. think they are. This is just my interpretation. Are they the managed third-party white-label providers now for Albertsons Media Collective for retail media? We're going to have to dig in a little more quickly. If we only knew some people at AMC who could probably help us answer that question, Evan, Evan, are you out there? Anyhow, Cervanti, uh-huh. uh, yeah, you know, I think they can help us. Um, oh, before we go into the next topic, Shri, who's the biggest baller at um, at uh, at uh, at CES? I know who I think it was. Who do you think it was? It it, it was it was our dear friend Diana Housling. She did two. I mean, she owned the stage. Taught, she was on stage with our friend Chris Rogers from Instacart, uh, and then uh, and then for another panel with Mark Rether from Uber. Uh, she has a very definitive opinion about tenure traceable data and the value that retail media has. But she also asks some asks from the media networks in order to say, if you want me to invest more, you have to, uh, to your point, feed into my MMM and do a couple of other things. But she was she was fierce on stage, uh, and I think she was. You know, she rolled in and out of Vegas like a baller, and uh, she owned the stage. That, that would be my opinion. I want to give Diana a shout I'm going to play the retail where the retail cap here for a second. Retail is yep. relevant to us. And I actually yep. think Amazon ads and Walmart Connect stood out. The number they of did. events, number of learning moments I had, the number of interactions that were very well planned out that I had, and the public announcements they were made with the connection of data and tech and um, taking the this opportunity to do true top to tops, I think they stood out from the rest of the crowd. They came absolutely prepared. Speaking of Amazon ads, did you know that on Monday, Amazon ads had a partner meeting with all of the e-commerce agency partners that have integrated into them? And at that very meeting, it is reported, I have this confirmed from multiple sources, that one Alan Moss, in referring to the to the audience of partners, said, you may not be aware, but Amazon Ads was recently awarded Best Retail Media Platform in the Omnis Awards hosted by the CPG guys. Can I get a and made mention of the... I know we have to do that. I mean, I want to like, why wasn't somebody holding up their phone and recording that? That was some, we can't pay for that kind of advertising street. We that's, 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 you know what that is? That's lower funnel conversion. Boom. Right there. That is called, that's called a rating and review. And we got five stars on that one. Shree. Yeah. I, uh, I actually heard about it with the reach and Friends we have in the industry, I heard about it five minutes after that happened. Thank you to all our friends at Amazon Ads for thank you, thank you. Seriously, on the we, TPG we guys to bring you education, which is our top mission, and it'll never change. That's why we do this. That's why yeah. we're doing this recap for all of you. All right, more more tech around Walmart tree, and it, we're talking about actually. By the way, I ran into Lex Josephs, and uh, oh, just just one of my favorite people. Um, Anyhow, Sam's Club 
is bringing AI to receipt scan as people are walking out of the club. Isn't it crazy when you're walking out of the club, they have to, somebody's manually scanning through and are they really paying attention to what's in the basket? And is that, you know, here's what they're doing. You're now going to walk through what amounts to a giant halo, right? And it's going to, all the cameras are going to take a picture of what's in your basket and it's going to read the barcode on your receipt and it's going to do what they what they're telling us is a much more accurate job of identifying whether what you bought or what you're taking out of the store you actually paid for. So really interesting, Sri. I thought that was a another great. I'm going to wear a slightly different lens on this one, Peter. The primary reason why there's a trip interruption is you exist to Sam's Club and your receipt is mm-hmm. looked at is for the person who checks it to really look at your card and make sure you didn't forget something. Uh, but, yeah, and, yeah and sure. I've heard that it's pretty notorious for shoppers. Some percent of shoppers, especially when they buy bulky items, I'd keep yeah. it at the bottom layer of the card and it's checked out. Yeah. Forget to put it back in. Yeah. And that's yeah. why they check. Yeah. Yeah. This should help. Uh, Peter, you know what excites me more? To be able to do what? something like this, It's you have to rely on AI engines to be able to process that in one second and be able yeah, to tell you a green or red, go or stay and what you may be missing. Yeah. So um, the most exciting thing for me is the applicability of AI that you and I are constantly asking the industry questions on. Yep. Shri, there was one panel that was particularly intriguing to me, and it had to do with, of course, the proliferation of AI and generative AI and creating content. And the question became, what is limiting this from scaling and and being more predominant and i think it's going to happen but but there are issues that need to be addressed very quickly for these tools to be able to scale certainly in the united states which is a heavily regulated and legal intensive country one is around all right what's the rev share you want to use my image create some content What's what's my piece of the action? Two, if you're a brand, what about the safety of the brand, right? Litigious content can be generated. Is it brand compliant? Is it is it uh, is it safe? Brands are very concerned over how AI is going to impact their ability to control. I don't think, you know, the 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 card is left. Uh, you know, the trains left the station with respect to this whole concept around uh, 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 user-generated content and their ability to do their own stuff. But Peter, I have there, an there's still a lot of concern. Peter. There are two ways. Let me, let me get my last point. The, la- the last point, and then I'll let you talk, is is, J- is AI content, particularly visual content, being created, is it going to be inclusive of our society? Or is it going to be more focused on, you know, the dominant whatever in a particular society? So I'll turn it over to you. But it revs so money, right? Money, brand control, and inclusivity. What are you thinking about this? First thing that pops to the top of my head is it's going to be naysayers with anything. We live in a world where the faster you adopt the tech, your life becomes easier. We can find a million reasons to say why it's not the greatest thing. Why? I mean, people say that TikTok is a horrible, horrible, horrible platform because people are doom scrolling. It does this. It does that. Facebook does this, does that. I mean, those lists go on and on. Maybe there's some truth to it. But for the majority of majority of the part, the tech actually enables human connections at the end of the day. Yep. And the Apple phone, okay. one can argue that when, when two people, a couple are eating dinner at at a restaurant, they're both on their phones, and that's destroying relationships. Is it really destroying relationships? I mean, so there are a million reasons why one can raise a red flag and say tech is bad, but this gen- my general rule, Peter, that I believe for myself, the more curious I get about yeah. tech and the faster yeah. I adopt it, the more free time I create to do other things that I love, such as spend time with my family. Maybe get a cheaper airline ticket to travel on a vacation. By the way, you mentioned going out to dinner. You know, Sheree, I went out to dinner. I went to this restaurant called Q. It's an Asian-inspired restaurant. And it's at the brand new, brand spanking new Fontainebleau Hotel, north of the Wynn. 
the home of 2024 Grocery Shop. Let me tell you, Shri, that place is fabulous. Oh my goodness. It is huge and it's and it's pretty fabulous. Bye-bye. I, I'll tell you this, Shri. I'm not going to miss Mandalay. the 10,000 steps it takes for me to get from my hotel room in the Mandalay Bay to the convention floor. This is much more manageable. But, boy, does it look good. But I'm sorry. I, I had to make A couple things I want to recommend based on what you just – Hey, first, I want to share my favorite restaurant at CES. Not the seven-star yep. that Peter describes. The one that I always like to go to because they make the 21 oh, vegetable fried it? rice. Do you know the name? I think it would be the place that I went uh, where I took our friend uh, Ajay Sharma on Monday night. It's China Poblano, Jose Andres' restaurant, on the second floor of the Cosmopolitan. The most unique menu, not a seven-star, but absolutely delicious, although I discovered I'd never there are been 30 to ingredients in 30 ingredients in the vegetable fried rice. I had never been to a Din Tai Fung. And I went to a Din Tai Fung, yeah. and the first thing yeah. I did when I came back to we have a Din Tai Fung in Los Angeles. It is. I'm going to take my family because it was delicious, and more importantly, the amount of vegetarian and vegan choices I had. Oh, a lot. Absolutely. You were crazy. you were in you were in hog heaven. Pardon the pardon the <laughs> pardon the country. But you know what? About, before we before we move off of food, want to make mention the following morning, a whole bunch of people. We all had a meetup right next door to China Poblano at Egg Slot for a little pre-conference breakfast. And let me tell you, I hear. everyone left satisfied. It was good food. Go ahead. I hear, Peter. So the one thing I do want to mention, Mandalay Bay and Fontainebleau, etc. I recommend very strongly to those of you attending conferences, CES especially, mm-hmm. grocery shop won't be radically different. Try to book early. And book yep. in the hotel where the events are. It saves an hour, yep. two hours of your day just in commute time, waiting for an Uber. Although I felt this year's CS, everything was seamless. But I stayed nearby at Cosmos. So I was able to walk by pretty much to Aria. Uh, I stayed. I stayed at a hotel that was on the. Uh, it wasn't the hotel, the Aria, but it was either walking distance or you could take the tram there. Don't take an Uber if you have to take an Uber. If you're down at Mandalay Bay and the 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 sea space event is at the aria trust me you're gonna face some problems it's gonna delay you you don't want to do yeah that. i took Book an uber early. a couple of times peter it was i not it was not fun so i recommend people oh my, get my i would that dinner i had at the fontainebleau my ceo at flywheel duncan painter was joining us he was at the win he could not get a cab he finally gave up and walked the 25 minutes to get from the hotel to meet us for dinner Hey, Peter, I Crazy. think we're running up on time here. So let's talk about yep. grocery shop for a second, right? Oh, yeah, sure. So shop talk, very different from Coming grocery up. shop. Uh, in chatting with RMNs, I heard of many of them will not have a large presence at shop talk. Uh, mm. So for our No, industry, I think they're not. For our industry, grocery shop is a no-brainer. But what about shop talk? Well, it's certainly for the uh, for the durables, for the soft goods, uh, and even to some degree for the uh, the health and beauty care, right? So the the mass merchants, the chain drug, they all look at Shop Talk and say, "Yeah, that's one I want to go to." Um, I, I, I let's see what happens. I'm not sure. You know, I'm not going to Shop Talk this year. Shree, did you know that? No, I did not know that. But neither am I. Do you know why? Do you know why I'm not going? Because a previous guest on this podcast, a two-time guest, none other than Miss Christina Marinucci, decided to counter-program against Shop Talk. Oh, she's getting married. That's right. I'm going to her wedding, and it's an island destination uh-huh. when I'm like, you're in the industry. How do you book a wedding against yeah, Shop Peter, Talk? I have a question for you, Shocker. I know. Anyhow, I'm going to the wedding. Happy for it. Looking forward to seeing Christina, happy for Christina. get married. Enjoy the wedding. Yeah, very Peter. happy. Yep. And uh, yep. one last thing I want to mention. Mm-hmm. It's actually a reminder mm-hmm. that CES is turning out to be an opportunity for brands to really engage uh, with retail media networks as the top-to-top moment. Don't miss out, folks. Yeah, I, I will say one last thing. 
um, there are a handful of good panels. And, and I think they did a better job this year of having events because in prior years, most of the activity was up in the suites. You did. So if you're going to the, to the show and you weren't someone who was getting invited up to the suites, you were kind of relegated to the lingering outside of the elevators and maybe running into someone. I don't think that's the case anymore. anymore. The, yep. the actual show floor for the marketing aspect in the area is substantially better than what it was in the past. And s- the panels that they had were really top notch. I was pretty pleased with, to your point with how CES is shaping up as the, the event for retail media, which is the fastest growing uh, media channel in the industry right now, just, right, just leaps Peter. and bounds. Yeah. Shree. Uh, so, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. You and I are making a little trip down to Marco Island for another industry event, aren't we? The food marketing Institute annual winter midwinter executive. Conference. I'm actually very excited. Should be great conversations with retail. Can't wait. And uh, trek across the country over to Florida. I I'm looking forward to it. I was so surprised when they said, "Hey, we went, we, we I got invited as media." They said, uh, "We need a podcaster. You'd be a good one." So I've got my list. I already wow. created Shree. Did you see see what I did already? I created my my uh, my SMS chat group from all our friends who are going to be at the show. Have fun, Peter. Make the most. Make the most of any trip as you already already would. It's a pity that you and I will not get to spend any time together, but I'm happy I, I saw you last. You, how, how much time did we spend together at at at, at uh, CES? Like an hour? Yeah, hour and, and a half that, max? Less than yeah, that. That's not all we got. Our good friend at Walmart Connect invited us to go visit her at the uh, one of the tech sessions, which is a pleasure to do, by the way. Yep, that was fun. Shree, thanks for uh, taking some time on a Saturday night to do this CES recap. Hopefully, we we educated and and entertained our audience. Uh, we like to make make this a little fun. It was great. We saw so many great people. I mean, you could, if you go to LinkedIn, you can see all the pictures we posted. You know, Manish, uh, AJ, I mentioned Lex. We saw Kara. We saw Diana. You know, all all the people that if you go back and look at our episodes, you'll know who they are based on their first names. I ran into my old buddy, Chris, from Amazon. Oh, yeah? I've been to five CESs with him. Uh, and, of course, you know who – You know the. Uh, I actually saw someone coming off the airplane, my my friend Jennifer Polino, who I knew from Dunhumby. But, of course, uh, once, I, once I got to the hotel, first person I saw, spent a lot of time with just catching up, Melissa Burdick, like oh, family. Yeah. That was so much one fun. One of our favorite people. So was- one of our – Love Melissa Bird. I got to break bread Love with Melissa. her as well as just chat with yep. her about tech yep. and where She's the industry is awesome. headed. Melissa always drops a bunch of knowledge on me, and I'm thankful for it. I'm also thankful to all the Ottoman providers who took time yep. to meet with me all and them. drop a bunch of knowledge on me. Peter and I, two things happen with the show. We provide education, but Peter and I also get to learn so much from all of you. So come on the show, share the knowledge yeah. that you want to drop, not just with us, but also with our listeners. Well, that's what I, that's what I'm doing down at FMI, Shri. I'm I'm bringing my calendar book, and I'm going to try and schedule some uh, some interviews with a whole bunch of uh, senior level people Hey-ho. who are there for the industry. Should be fun. Hey, Shri, thanks for taking uh, some time Saturday night. Uh, to our audience, as always, we appreciate uh, there are over 27,000 of you that follow us on LinkedIn. Uh, if you think you have uh, some thought leadership to contribute to this ongoing conversation. Drop us an email at contact to cpgguys.com. Maybe you can be on the podcast. Um, we're going to sign off, uh, give you some more updates later on these other shows we're attending. But until then, uh, look forward to speaking with you on the next episode of, of the CPG Guys podcast. Goodbye. Content in this podcast episode is provided for general informational purposes only. By listening to our episode, you understand that no information contained in this episode should be construed as advice from CPG Guys LLC or the individual author, hosts, or guests, nor is it intended to be a substitute for research on any subject matter. 
Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by CPG Guys LLC. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The views expressed by CPG Guys LLC do not represent the views of their employers or the entity they represent. CPG Guys LLC expressly disclaims any and all liability responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of any individual's use of, reference to, or inability to use this podcast or the information we present in this podcast.